Welcome to the Let's Get Disruptive podcast. My name is Sean McCleary and I'm excited to bring together some of the leading figures in the tech community to discuss some of the disruptions they have had and come across in their careers. Whilst it's great to talk about successes and there will be plenty of achievements discussed on these podcasts, I'm a big believer that some of our best learnings come from adapting and overcoming challenges. So we'll be exploring our guests' personal challenges, discussing things they've had to overcome from a business perspective, and also covering the many challenges around recruiting and retaining the best people. Our objective is to provoke thought around topical industry challenges and empower listeners with the insight and wisdom from people who've been there, done it, and in fact are still doing it with some of the most disruptive organisations out there. I'm really excited for people to hear from our next guest on the Let's Get Disruptive podcast, Andy Gray, who is co-founder and director of BlockRocket.tech, a Manchester-based blockchain consultancy and engineering company. Hello. Hello, Andy. Andy is someone I would confidently describe as an expert with over 20 years commercial experience developing enterprise IT systems uh, with a current focus on emerging blockchain and distributed ledger technologies. Um, Looking back through your history, Andy, you've been a developer across multiple languages, an architect, a scrum master, an agile team leader, a consultant. You've worked across the UK at some of the most recognized technology focused organizations, such as Equal Experts, The Co-op, William Hill, Barclays and Barclay Card, to name a few. Um, But for over two years now, you've been operating at the bleeding edge of technology with BlockRocket.tech and you've built some really interesting products. In particular, I noticed the digital marketplace for art and some really interesting crypto-based football cards, as well as supporting disruptors such as BrewDog in your industry. Thanks for joining us, Andy. Uh, My first question is around why you decided to make the jump from the comfortable world of working with some really respective and recognized businesses into the relatively unknown world of blockchain consulting. Yeah, thanks, Sean. It was, um, for me, it was like a natural progression as I got more into blockchain and about three years ago, four years ago, maybe now, it was developing as something that I was really I was really interested in and I started playing around with it on an evening and as most coders do, start hacking around. When I realized you could uh, send money in one line of code, I was instantly hooked. So that was with using the cryptocurrencies. So we started a small community group and the first event was sold out. So my co-founder James and I realized there was a little bit of uh, interest in this field of technology. And I've been around, done all the stuff through the through the traditional companies. So I just thought it'd be something interesting to do. And the more I got into it, the more passionate I came about it. Yeah. And the more I didn't want to miss out on the opportunity to really lead out on this. And I haven't regretted it two years in. I still love it every day. Good, good, good to hear that. Um, blockchain is a term that's been used a lot. And I think there's been a lot of hype surrounding it over the last few years. And, and excitement, understandably, as you've noticed the potential. Could you give us an overview of um, of blockchain and your experiences around the journey so far? Yeah, I mean, one of the main reasons that blockchain has become a, a word that a lot of people have sort of got tired of you of hearing and and seen a lot is that it was used to sell a lot of things, and there was a huge uh, hype around it when all the cryptocurrencies that run on blockchain started flying up in value. Yeah. That really helped us as an industry because it brought us customers and it brought everyone into the blockchain industry, but it also hurt us because 
when people realize all these projects wouldn't be instantly available and they wouldn't change their lives, it then took on a negative effect and there was a little bit of a distrust. But from my perspective as a blockchain consultancy and engineers, we've, we knew the technology was sound. Uh, Bitcoin's been around over 10 years. Ethereum, which we build on a lot, has been over five years. Right. They've never had any technology problems or hacks on the main chain. Yeah, There's been data problems and hacks in the contracts and some of the exchanges that use them, which has created huge news stories. But for us, fundamentally, blockchain is an amazing technology that solves real problems. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fantastic. Um, I noticed, in fact, you know, you, you class yourself as a, a public advocate for blockchain, which, you know, hearing you speak passionately about it, it's clear. And yourself and James were invited to an all-party parliamentary group meeting on blockchain recently. Um, and, and that was discussed how the government and industry is supporting the use of these emerging technologies. So tell us a bit more about that, if you don't mind. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, it was a great day out because we got to go and get drunk in the House of Parliament. <laughs> Not everyone Which, can claim yeah, to do that. Normally it's the guys <laughs> from the House of Lords who are doing that mainly. <laughs> but um, it just shows that at all levels, people understand that this could be a game changer for some certain things. Yeah. Supply chain is a perfect example, provenance, which which we've dealt with a little bit. And we went down there, there was MPs, there was, there was industry experts from the small companies like us all the way up to the huge companies like... Deloitte and and all the uh, EY and all these you know huge accountancy firms. So it was good to see that everyone pulling together because the key thing about blockchain technology and distributed ledger technology, as it's also known, is it needs the industry to educate right. because there's challenges for adoption. Yeah. So everyone knows it works. Everyone knows it's going to be a good thing, but it's hard for people to use, and it mm. only should be used in the right cases. Right. So right up to governmental level and through like regional level and community groups and education pieces, everyone's trying to bring everyone up to speed. Yeah. I remember when uh, the internet was first around, people didn't really know what a URL was. Yeah, you yeah. know, I wasn't used to these different paradigms. I think it's going to be the same on blockchain. Okay. Terms like public key. I don't know if people have to learn that or right. we'll have to have tooling to help protect people. Yeah. But there's challenges, but the, but it's worth going through them challenges because the rewards are going to be huge yeah. when the technology is used. Okay. Yeah, and from your perspective, I think collaboration, you mentioned raising awareness, education. How, how important do you think that is around emerging technologies such as blockchain? Yeah, it's vital really. So we we know the community and it's global and everyone is putting a lot of time, effort and money. There's a lot of funding around for people to support getting everybody up on blockchain. We run an art marketplace, but the other big art marketplace we're like frenemies with, because we know we're small enough not not to actually, you know, we don't need to be fighting over these small amount of people who are using it. Yeah. If everybody increases blockchain usage, it's going to be good for everybody. Yeah, yeah. So we're all working together. We help where we can. Bigger companies are doing lots of videos, documents. New platforms are being supported with new toolings and ways to interact with blockchains. Yeah. So it's a, it's a global effort, and this is the, one of the amazing things about blockchain. It's it, it's not a thing that's happening in the UK. It's happening everywhere, yeah, yeah. and everywhere needs to come up a few levels so it can be really attract the retail users. Because if it's just a small group of you know techie people who, who love who love tech and love crypto and, and just use it in the, in the dark corners of the web. You know, for you know, and we know it's famous for being used on the on this on the Silk Silk Road. Uh, yeah, we yeah. won't go into that. Of course, 
because it's used for a lot more these days. Yeah. But it's so important to get regular regular people like yourself, Sean, yeah. on it, using apps, using blockchain tech. Yeah. That, that's the goal. And when people start doing that, it's going to be good for business, good for the apps. Definitely, definitely. You, you you mentioned it's a global platform and, you know, we were speaking earlier about your your client base. So can you just expand on how global have you found it since you've been working on the blockchain consulting side of things? Yeah, so we it was really tricky for us at first because we're a Manchester-based blockchain consultancy. Yeah. And there was nobody in Manchester who wanted blockchain consultancy, really. We worked with a small, few small companies in Manchester at first to yeah. do some thought pieces and a yeah. little bit of advisory work but then we had to really promote ourselves and get ourselves out there and then people started calling us up and we we're getting them you know some days we'll have a video call of australia in the morning and finish the evening talking to people in la wow and our clients are based somewhere in the uk somewhere in berlin's a big hot spot got customers in columbia and miami worked a lot in the states with people built some products called for example block cities is a guy based a small team out of atlanta wow. who now moved to new york we work with another development company here in Melbourne. So that that's that's been fascinating for us, just just throwing it out there and you just don't know who's gonna be calling you next. Yeah. And even tonight I'm talking to some guys in LA about a massive project that they're developing out there. And that must it's exciting, but that must create its own challenges as well, just being able to logistically work together across across those different locations. Yeah, I mean one of the big challenges is figuring out the time zones. Yeah. So at first People would send us meeting invites in Pacific time and we'd like call in at the wrong hour yeah, and yeah. stuff. So we've sort of figured out how to work out the clock. Yeah. <laughs> how to work the clock. Yeah, you know, yeah. Blockchain's easy. Figuring out the time around the world is the tricky bit. But yeah, I mean, if we want to call with the Silicon Valley or the people over there on the West Coast, they're often getting up for breakfast. Right. So, I mean, I've been on a couple of calls where people are like working from home and they're yeah. just in the pajamas eating the breakfast. Yeah, yeah. And I'm that ready. To, I want to leave the office because it's like 6 p.m. Yeah. But it's worth it. And we have calls all time of the day. And the channels people are using on blockchain, like Telegram, yeah. Messenger is huge. Right. And that's just pinging 24 hours a okay. day. Fantastic. Um, you touched on the digital um, art marketplace you guys have got. Um, again, I dug around that. Looks fantastic. So can you share a little bit about, about how that came about and what, what yeah. that actually achieves? Yeah, I mean, it's great because uh, we're here in Manchester, actually, sat in the Ancoats area, and that's where this marketplace started. We went to the pub, uh, Dave, James and I. Uh, so Dave's another guy who works with our company. And we decided we wanted to build a use case because we saw everyone raising millions of pounds trying to do these crazy token sales. Yeah. And we thought it, it can't be that hard to build a blockchain product. So what was a good use case? And Dave was, is a graphic designer. He's very into art. He decided that we should build an art marketplace and sell art on the blockchain because yeah. it solves a few key problems. The first one's provenance. Who owns the art? Right. The second is like the certificate of authenticity. You know, where did it come from? What's the chain of, of custody? So that was really good. So we set up a pop-up art gallery and we ran it out of Seven Brothers, which is a bar right near here. Yeah, just across the way. And we yeah. invited like a hundred people from the art community and the tech community. And we sold a few pieces and they were tracked on the evening on the blockchain. We sold it for cryptocurrency. It, it was a bit of a a loss on the evening because we didn't make that much money. But then we decided to go purely digital. Right. Because delivering digital assets is what we, we trade in. It's very yeah. easy because on a blockchain, we can take payment, deliver the digital asset to the new owner and actually remunerate the artist or the content creator who's created the art. Right. 
So it's been a real journey for us. And it's been our flagship product and it's where we've learned our technology and learned how to build logic on the blockchain. Yeah. We now sell about $25,000 of digital art a month. Wow, okay. And we've got two, over 230 or so artists who are, who are creating art, selling it. And the amazing journey with non-origin for us is that some of the artists are now quit the regular jobs and use this as their source of income because they can now create art every day as this new form of artist, the digital artist. And that has also led for us to do partnerships yep. with... I've flown over personally to Basel to work with an art collective called Twisted Sister and did some wow. interesting stuff. Cool. There's also an art exhibition in the uh, in a gallery in London where people can drop a pound coin into a machine and it converts it to uh, cryptocurrency and then plays videos and sound. So that's been one of the amazing things about starting a disruptive small company. You just get involved with some crazy sort of ideas, yeah, yeah. you know, that you wouldn't get to do in the enterprise world. Brilliant. Um, one that caught my eye particularly was the football cards, you know, took me yes, back to yes. my days where I was mithering my parents for panini stickers. Um, well, that's definitely evolved. So look, it, it seems like you're still managing to be creative and having fun in what you're doing with the football cards in particular. So how important is that as part of your process? Yeah. I mean, it, it's everything's everything we can do that, that actually we, we show the tech off. We think great, but the other great the other amazing thing about the football card things, you can sell them instantly right. and they instantly uh, attract value, yep. whether it's 10p a card or a hundred pound a card. Yep. You can get value out of, of, of creations if people believe that there's value in them. Of course. And then there's an instant marketplace. Yep. The beauty of creating assets on a blockchain is that they can be resold on secondary marketplaces. Right. The interesting story about the, non uh, the nifty football cards is that we really wanted Stanley Chow, who's an amazing illustrator based in Manchester, to do the designs. So we sort of copied his designs and then took them to him to show him it. And he was like, he'd never heard the word blockchain, but we managed to convince him, thankfully. Wow. So his art makes the cards look awesome. Amazing. Yeah. We sold about two and a half thousand of them. And I think one resold one of the best strikers for $250 cool. for an individual card. Brilliant. And people are now building teams and yeah. it's just a fun thing to do. It, yeah. it makes perfect sense. That top Trump's card or Panini card with yeah. a footballer and a skill value yeah, yeah that should be on the blockchain because yeah. when you're playing with it you should know that you own it yeah and what the value is of it and what you can do with it and it yeah. should have unique traits and attributes yeah so we like exploring these things because the industry is so new you could be the first person to do this you know and then we've gained reputation for this around the world and people have come to us and even some of the bigger projects are interested still in these smaller things that are, that are pushing the boundaries of course Definitely change from swapping them in the playground in, in my yeah, day. Yes. <laughs> um, go, going more into your background in technology. So um, over 20 years in technology and a lot of that time has been spent um, in the North in particular. So um, something I ask all of the guests really is around um, the tech scene in the North and over the time you've been involved in it, how you've seen that flourish. Yeah, I mean, it, it's obvious to anyone who lives in Manchester that the tech scene is just on an absolute flyer in the north. I actually worked in London for a short while at, uh, with Accenture, a consulting firm, and at UBS doing investment banking and equity stuff. And I remember coming back to Manchester and it seemed quite small because all this banking and huge enterprises in London. But you know, but when you get back into Manchester, you realize that there's some, take banking out of it, there's some amazing companies have always been here. Your auto traders, your co-ops, your money supermarkets, and now we're seeing they gravitate a little more into the city centre because there's a demand 
uh, for people to be working in the city centre to get that collaboration between the companies, attending meetups. And most people move around some of these big uh, companies, but there's a very shared responsibility of, in Manchester in the tech scene to make sure all these companies are doing well. All the talent is attracted into Manchester. Of course. And I think that's going to continue to grow. I can't see that stopping. And that, what, that from a small blockchain consultant's point of view, we're really excited about that because we can get to partner with these companies as blockchain becomes more relevant to yeah. what they want to be doing. And we've spoke to huge companies in the, in, in the Northwest and they've definitely got an interest. So we're hoping when they need that extra consultancy and these sort of disruptive skills that can come to local companies yeah. and the small companies can help the bigger companies to grow and vice versa. Yeah. And certainly from a recruitment point of view, we're finding that um, a lot of the bigger companies are passionate about working with these smaller businesses that are a bit more agile, a bit more cutting edge in their approach. So um, leading into that, really, I think blockchain and certainly some of the stuff you're describing is probably on the border of bleeding edge from a technology point of view. So um, whilst that's really exciting, that must present its own challenges. So what challenges have you come across from being so super niche in, in what it is that you're doing? Yeah, I mean, the main problem with being working in blockchain is that there's not a demand at an enterprise level right yet, right now. People all think it's great. They can see it's going to solve certain problems, but it's it's not a project they need to deliver to do their everyday business. Right. And once people often look into the blockchain projects, they realize, yeah, that could be cool, but it's got a few challenges, so we'll maybe pass on it right now. Yeah. So our challenge is really raising the bar to actually show, well, blockchain technology could be, it could save you money because it's faster to do business. It, it, it doesn't have to be a barrier to entry because you could put this behind a username and password like people recognize yeah. normally in the apps. So we've got to make people, to make blockchain a success, you've got to make it easier and give them a better reason than the technology stacks they're using right now. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's our challenge really. And, and hopefully that's going to start happening pretty soon. And from a people point of view, um, I suppose being a smaller business and also coupling that with the fact that you are at the forefront of technology, how have you found in terms of tra attracting people and as you as you want to grow in the future, do you see that being a challenge that you need to overcome? Yeah, definitely. It's a definite challenge because we need people who actually have got a passion for blockchain because if, if you're just a, a developer, say a JavaScript developer or something, and you're not into blockchain, it could be quite a slog if you came and worked at our place. Yep. Whereas the people who we've attracted who work for us love the technology. They already got that core understanding. So we're getting a few CVs a week because we run community groups and we're always on Twitter and Medium and LinkedIn and yep. try and share everything we do. We're very open source. We're yep. very advocates of of sharing. There's no secrets yep. what we do. Brilliant. We're small. We you know we don't yep. we don't pretend to be bigger than we are. So, but our challenge is make sure we can get the clients in to make sure we can hire the right people. And they might have to be remote people. There's definitely people in the UK have got the skills we need, but yeah. there's a lot of people globally who've got the skills. Right. And I think as it, you know, demand drives a lot of this. If you're starting to see as a recruitment company, people wanting blockchain engineers, people are going to start training up in it, going to get interested, come to the community groups. Anyone who walks through our door, we will sit them down if they're interested, explain what we do, point them in the right direction. And one of our hires actually wrote some code for, for Nifty Football, actually. Yeah. An extra sort of uh, game around it via our open a APIs, which allows you to interact with the game. Cool. And then we eventually hired uh, this guy, Vincent, 
because he, you know he he had that passion. He wanted to be working in this uh, this this little small area of technology that's grown very fast. Yeah. You mentioned community, um, and again, from an insight point of view, something that we're really passionate about. Um, and I know you're heavily involved in the local tech community also. I noticed that you host a popular community group, uh, Blockchain Manchester. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, that's been a success story for us. We've run it two years now. It's, it's on Meetup. And we started with like a few people, 50 people in, in Mad Lab in the Northern Quarter, now I've got 750 wow. signed up and probably get 60 or 70 at the events. Brilliant. And we're managing to attract some of the big names from blockchain. Uh, our next event on the 11th of February has got, you know, a guy who works for Dap Raider, one of the biggest uh, games, uh, blockchain gaming sort of analysis companies in the world. Right. And they're willing to travel to come and see us. Wow. The good thing for us is that we're there, we're meeting people who are interested in blockchain. CTOs are coming from various companies around the Northwest and, North Wales and, and a bit further afield, Bristol, we have people coming from because they're interested in technology. They don't want to be left behind. They want to understand it. We have people from the university coming over to speak. So we've built a, a nice little group there, but it's beneficial to everyone. It's good for us to meet the blockchain people, know that what, what we're doing. It's good for us to share the knowledge because that might spark the interest in the next developer or the next company who wants to. So it's it's a win-win all around, in my opinion. And we, and, you know, we get pizza and beers and sponsors. Everyone has a good time. Yeah. So at least if you don't like the talks, everyone, you know, <laughs> get free drinks and stuff. So that's why I was there. Um, and, and, and I think community in Manchester is a wider a wider thing that people are really talking about at the moment. I think um, just thinking about where you're based in the incubator on Oxford Road, I know there's a bit of a community feel there. Um, how, how, again, how important do you think the community element of the tech scene in Manchester is? I think as you go smaller, it, it's vital. So we're, we're obviously doing things like this just to say, you know, hello, you know, we're a small company in Manchester. We sit opposite a company called Fuzzy Labs who do AI and machine learning, similar vein to us, small company, really pushing the boundaries in that field. And, and they've moved from traditional enterprise industry because they've seen stuff that's going to be so relevant going forward. So in the incubator, there's lots of small startups and they're all together. We can talk together. We can share our experiences, you know, can use each other's tech, which yeah. is great. And then we can club together and we, we've all, you know, a lot of the companies in there have joined uh, organizations like Manchester Digital who yeah. collectively represent us and yeah. push us forward and give us a voice. And, tech, you know, this Tech Nation and there's, there's these other great organizations who are trying to, you know, make sure that everyone in our little part of the world gets out there and, and gets an opportunity to do some good stuff. And the Friday beers are renowned around there as well. Hatch yeah. after work. Yeah, it's great <laughs> being next to Hatch, to be honest, because... We're only ever about 25 seconds away from a nice craft ale. <laughs> yeah. And now North Quarters have moved into the building yeah. and the startup factory. So it's, it's gained some momentum. And I know there's other uh, incubators that are, are popping up. I think there's one at Enterprise City coming out soon. Yeah. I've been over to the landing. So there's a great communities and I even travel across and we get to know the companies in these other places. And, you know, we've met VR, uh, virtual reality artists in the landing who've come onto our digital arts marketplace Brilliant. so it's great being a small company because you can just get to meet everybody yeah. and it gives you real good access into all levels of the tech scene in manchester and the northwest the last area just to touch on around is is, is is different challenges you've faced um really one of the themes of the podcast is sharing challenges or experiences um we've talked a lot about the positive sides of blockchain 
Um, one of the, the challenges you touched on earlier could be risk associated to blockchain. What, what would you see are the risks or challenges that people need to think about when they're weighing up to use blockchain as a technology? Yeah, I think with blockchain, everyone's heard about these scare stories where, every, you know, someone's lost the keys, you know, and there's like millions of pounds in like a, a landfill somewhere. And also with the, we write smart contracts, which is code that executes on a blockchain. Okay. Any mistakes and bugs in there potentially could lead to loss of funds. Right. There's some very famous cases where millions of dollars have been either frozen or stolen by nefarious forces. So what we're trying to uh, say to people is come to us. We've got experience doing this. Yep. There's risk involved with this, but the power of it outweighs the risk. Of course. So we do stuff that's fully audited, fully tested. But it's important to understand that this is new stuff. You know, there isn't no, I forgot my password. <laughs> yeah. Or there's no bank you can go to to revert the transactions. Of course. So there's new risks involved. And some of that is the educational challenge. You know, people will say, I've lost my money. How do I get it back? And it's a tough tough conversation to be honest for yeah, us yeah. because there isn't a way now and that's of one of the challenges really yeah maybe that one of the reasons it, it doesn't flourish as as well because as traditional finance for example i can go to a cash machine i can always take a tenner out it normally pops out if i've got enough money in my bank yeah and if something goes wrong i've got someone to speak to of course with blockchain and cryptocurrencies there's no one to speak to because it's totally decentralized so there's got to be a big mindset change, and that's one of our main challenges. So, But we think there will be enough, yeah. enough reason for some use cases for this to happen. Of course. But and the upside is there, obviously, isn't it? There's challenges, like you say, but there's certainly a lot of positives. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, you can be your own bank with cryptocurrency and blockchain. Not everyone wants to be their own bank, but uh, there's, definite, there's definite good reasons to be involved with it. Yeah. Well, look, that, that brings the podcast to the end. Thanks for your time, Andy. And I'll certainly be popping along on the 11th to find out more about the blockchain meetup. Thanks, I'll mate. save you some pizza. Lovely. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Let's Get Disruptive podcast. Please subscribe, rate and review.